Shane is watching me like I'm weird. What? Oh. What? 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 Just kidding. <laughs> they vaulted in. They vaulted in. <laughs> <laughs> no. They vault. Yes. They Let's vault in. Sorry, but it's Luciano PR, whatever his name is. Santiago. He's, he's Luciano. Is he Luciano Pavarotti or Santiago? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I totally imagine a parent doing that. I'm sorry. I just, it got stuck in my head and I'm just like, it could Dude, be Pavarotti. We don't know. I, Why does this make me think of like those Hallmark Christmas movies? Yes, I'm the lighthouse the mayor, keeper, but also the mayor. The mayor who's also the baker. It just takes a generation to wipe it out, you know? Yeah. And gosh, can you imagine the people who held on to this knowledge and just passed it on like in secret? You know, yeah. we answered our own question. So that was I the check it. and balance. <laughs> the Socratic method. Thank you, Socrates. guys it's us again it's the god must be crazy <laughs> podcast vacation edition <laughs> so i'm ice i'm anima and we're your hosts the god must be crazy podcast is a podcast on philippine mythology and folklore and today is the continuation of part three of i don't know how many parts Three. This is oh, the last yeah. installation. Okay. This is the last installation <laughs> of our Babaylan episode. It. I knew, hey, you know, coming in, I knew it was going to be intense. It's such a loaded because and heavy. Because there's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. To be honest, it's kind of like a commentary on the social structures of the Philippines. <laughs> then it is, right? More than more than just like a person. And Which so, we will also get to in a future episode. The social will. stratification. Yes, and, we will. The social stratification. Yeah. So it's the last part of the Babaylan. So just a recap for those of you who haven't heard the first two episodes. In the first episode, we sort of talked about the history, how do you become a babaylan, you know, is it something you audition for? Is it something you're gifted and you have, are you like a mutant or are you like, are you like a trained for it and so forth? The second episode, we discussed the functions, like all the jobs that they had to do in their tribes and their villages, you know, from the magics that they do all, all the way to black magic, protection, healing, seances and calling back the spirits. And so now we go to the social status, which I'm really very excited to talk about because in depictions in modern life, the babaylan is always called you know the shaman the the healer the 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 village the village elder right and a, they have they give commentary on when you should build your house you know how do you improve the harvest but in in fact they were not just 
these functionaries, but they were a very critical part of the social structure of the community. They were so highly respected and they are on par with the pre-colonial noble class. They're not necessarily noble themselves. Sometimes they are, but not necessarily. Sometimes if it you, you know you just you're just a kid who heard voices and your aunt was a babaylan, then you can also happen to be a babaylan. I love it because I it's wonder... sort of like a, a rise mm. from you know rise from the yeah. poor. Yeah. Yeah. No, because to your point, right? Any like not that anyone, but like if you have the the gifts or the resources to learn can be a babayan, right? But yeah. you know what it kind of reminds me of? It's kind of reminds me of the Hindu kind of caste system. Ah, right? yes. Yeah. Because in the caste system, you have the priests, the, Brahmin. the Brahmins, mm-hmm. and then the the warrior class, the Kshatriyas, right? Mm-hmm. And then the middle class, the merchants, and then the, I forgot what the lowest class is, Surya or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, because the, it, it, what I remember is that used to be the priests and the warriors were interchangeable. So it wasn't necessarily that the priests were above or below. Yeah. Because it depends. In times of war, yes. it would be the warrior class would be the top, yeah. the, the highest the class. And then mm-hmm. in times of peace, it would be the priests. Which is interesting because, you know, in times of war, the Datu would, in, in pre-colonial Philippines, the Datu would leave the village to pillage and get slaves like they did in Mang- the... Ano yan? Pangangayaw? Pangangayaw. At- in my head, it's pangangaray. Is it pangangaray, pangangay? No. Pangangay. Pangangaray. <laughs> and so when the Datu is is away, the vice president, the vice Datu, is the babaylan. The babaylan is the boss of the community And when the, when the boss is away. And they were powerful ritual specialists. And, and it's important for them because their rituals had to do with keeping things okay while the Datu was away. And so that's why all of their powers of healing and making it rain, making the harvest happen. So so that's why it was important that they were sort of like second in command when the Datu was gone. Well, yeah. But at the same time, it makes a bit of a practical sense, right? Because if you're going to war, you're going to take all the men. Yeah. Yeah. Or women warriors, warriors, right? some, Some women warriors, yeah. Yeah, or all the warriors, basically. Yeah. Which necessitates most of the men, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? And who's the most powerful woman left? Yes, In exactly. the village. So what would she do while, while the Datu was out? She would make sure that they protect the village from the evil magic that may have been directed towards the Datu while he's away. He makes sure that women have safe pregnancies and childbirth. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then they they have offerings. They they seem to have a lot of offerings for protection and, you know, for uh in some occasions if they're uh, and they protect not just their own communities but also if the datus have had allied up with other datus and they're going to go off to war, they try to protect that as well. And in my head, you know, I, I remember, it was like in Harry Potter when they were protecting Hogwarts and everyone like sort of like raised their wands to the sky and then they all ca- created like this dome, but like together. 
So I like to think of like the Babaylands on Panay Island or for example, you know, on each of these islands, like all of the Panay people banded together and okay, let's all like cast these protections around our, our respective villages together. I like that. I, that's yeah. that's how I imagine the magic. The magic. They, you know, they vaulted in. They vaulted in. <laughs> <laughs> no. They vault, yes. They Let's vault in. They eventually or, vaulted in. What's the other, I know? Captain Planet. Earth. Captain. Oh, Captain Planet. Fire. Heart. Heart. <laughs> Why is this a useless? That's such a useless whatever. Anyways. Whatever. Hey, Listen, don't say that. No, I don't like it. It's like, what is your power? Oh, I'm I'm empathetic to your cause of sustainability. Heart. Anyway, if you so you don't change hearts, you're not gonna change minds. I know, anyway. I know. So William, so William Henry Scott had observed also in his book in Barangay, the is that right, Barangay? Barangay, right? Ba- barangay is the archaic pronunciation. Yeah. You can say barangay. 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 Yes. He also, in, in, he, what he observed was the babaylans, whether they are male or, or trans, he used transvestites, which we know is not the correct term, but they're usually women. They are wealthy in their own right. So how, of course. what, what income does the Babaylan get? According to Luciano P.R. Santiago in his book, To Love and to Suffer, the payment they get for their services included food, wine, clothing, gold, which I love. love gold. Sorry, but is, is Luciano P.R. whatever his name is? Santiago. Is he, is he Luciano? Is he Luciano Pavarotti or Santiago? <laughs> He's like, I totally imagine a parent doing that. I'm sorry. I just, it got stuck in my head. And I'm just like, it could dude, be Pavarotti. We don't know. It I, could dude, be. It could be. I have cousins. Remember my cousins named Martin yeah. Luther King Dimapilis? <laughs> now on, I'm calling him Luciano Pavarotti. Okay, so Luciano I'm Pavarotti or Santiago. Uh, or it's Pavarotti. Because <laughs> if he are... <laughs> Oh my god, okay. Anyway, oh, sorry. Santiago. Okay, so that they get paid in food, wine, clothing, gold, gold, and the quantity and quality of the gold and quantity depended on the social status of the supplicant. So it seems like you you pay what you can, right? So they get so they probably have rich clients if they get paid to 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 do the certain service. So in the shamans, the, the Babaylans, they have a similarity to Shinto spiritualists or spiritual men, the Kanushi. And their jobs, apart from being shamans, healers, protectors, witches, they also range from being, they, they, they have, I know, they have multiple jobs. They, they have a side hustle. So this is the, the Japanese ones, the Japanese one, but also the shamans, the shamans also have the, the Babaylands also have side side hustles. So they can also be apart from their role as a Babaylan, they can also be merchants. They can also be warriors, farmers, blacksmiths, oh. craftsfolk, weaver, potter, musician, and a barber or a chef, depending on the preference of the shaman, the skill and the need of the community. And I'm thinking, 
there's so much opportunity for magic. You know, like there's like weaving magic. And maybe yeah. the blacksmith one can make like a, a magical, a magical spear or magical music, you know? Magic shoes. Yeah. Yes. I know yeah. because before I, 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 before I read this, I was just thinking, oh, you know, they're like, they're like doctors, essentially. They're like social doctors, but no, but they could also be the farmer. You, they can grow a magical kabute or something. I don't know. So you don't farm. Or baka, I know. Maybe it's <laughs> like, it's maybe it's like, you know. Don't quit your day job. Like yeah. they, so they have they have something to do day to day. It's like um, us. Maybe it's yeah. <laughs> maybe it's in villages in villages where you don't have that many paganitos naman. Like you're yeah. not too busy, so then yeah. there's something else to keep you yeah. occupied. Smaller towns or not too or not too warlike towns. I think of it as like you know in these TV shows, these American TV shows where the mayor is also like the town pilot. Or the mayor is also the fireman. Or the mayor is also the town doctor. You know, so it's... Why does this make me think of like those Hallmark Christmas movies? Yes! <laughs> yes, I'm the lighthouse the mayor, keeper, but also the mayor. The mayor who is also... The mayor who's also the baker and he hates yes. Christmas. And yes. You're going to yes. change because his he's mind. Because he's a widow. He's like a widow. That. And then this high-powered girl from the city comes back home because <laughs> she got laid off from her high-powered lawyer job. No, she, she, she went back family. home. <laughs> she went back home because her grandmother died and left uh-huh. her the house yes. and the cafe yes. that is across from that she the has bakery. to order food from the bakery. <laughs> <laughs> There's this show on, I think it's on Netflix, but my father-in-law really loves it. It's called The Good Witch on the topic of witches. It's called The I've Good Witch. I've heard about the show. Yeah, yeah. And it's got but the I've guy from Grey's Anatomy, and he's the new doctor, and she is a she's a witch, but she's also actually has powers. And the mayor is also like the country club head or something like that. But it's one of those multi-purpose multi-purpose jobs in small town. I actually find that aspirational. Like I would I would go to a small town and I would be like, yes, I'm the mayor and also the Zumba teacher, you know? I would totally But, but do my that. question for you is, is that is that done as a matter of plot or as a matter of budget? Because you're I not going to get a lot of It says it depends like, on the preference actors. of the shaman and the skill and the need of the community. So oh, what sorry. if you're a shaman? I'm still talking about I'm still talking about Hallmark movies, but anyway, let's <laughs> I was fully in that topic. Anyway, sorry, okay. Sorry, back, I thought you were saying It's okay. No, no, no. We move back to Bavaria. Okay, let's go back. Hallmark, you stayed there in your lane. They work though. I like them. Anyway, so, so yeah. So these side jobs. So some shamans have two occupations at the time, you know, if they need the, the role of having, if it's really needed by the community. And it's, it's hypothesized that the tradition of having a second job or more than two jobs is ingrained in the culture societies in the Philippines and still practiced today by certain communities that have not been converted to Christianity. So some Muslim communities, yes, have 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 still practiced this tradition of their healer also has another job imams like prayer leaders also have other jobs and day jobs so what happened so this was all all of all the things that we've been talking about recently have all been pre-colonial what happened when the spanish came and so yes right so they started waning when the philippines started converting to 
Islam and Catholicism, and particularly under the Spanish Empire, they were maligned and they were accused of being witches and priests of the devil, and they were prosecuted harshly by the Spanish clergy. What they did, and this is kind of horrible, is I, and I mentioned this in the first episode. I think they, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, they burned everything down. So that's why we don't have a lot of records of like, what do Anitos look like? What were the spells? They burned everything associated and connected to the native people's indigenous religions, like shrines called Dambana. And the word Dambana, it's a shrine for Anitos, for your ancestors and the other spirits you you worship and, and, and appeal to. But Dambana is also the word set, used for the altar in a church, right? So for example, in old Filipino movie, when a guy says he's going to marry a girl before he goes off to war, he's like, Dadalhin kita sa Dambana. I will bring you to the Dambana. Which, so to the from, altar. To the altar, which is for me, is it's an interesting, again, an amalgamation. It's appropriation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. No, no, no. It's appropriation. You're yeah. taking something that existed before yeah. and you're using it for, yeah. you know, I mean, inculcating it, people into your new religion. Exactly. And they must, must have used that, right? The Spanish were like, look, this church altar is the same as the Dambana. It's, it's, you know, this is why we'll call it the same thing that you call the whatever the Babaylans had in their house. So they forcefully, oh, this is so horrible. You know what they did? So they got their idols, the Anitos, and they made children poop. I saw, I heard, they I made them this. poop on their ancestors. Like the ultimate, the ultimate sacrilege. They made them defecate on these. Um, yeah. On the idols. You know, images and that were like worship and representative of their ancestors. And until this truly, day, they, they really believe. It's super bad. Like super horrible. And you know what they would do if you refused? They would kill you. They would murder children who refused to poop on their anitos. So, you know. So it's really. And, and then they specifically targeted female shamans. And they sort of let the male shamans continue on. So, in, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. This Babaylan, this Babaylan online that we found, the Babay, Babaylan Tatay Adlao, is a guy shaman. And his line has been, it used yeah. to be like a female shaman line, and then it was passed down to to him as a male shaman. So, so in the society, what happens after the 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 babaylans were prosecuted and killed and stuff the functions are still there the functions that they need to do is still there then then that's why there are so many folk healers and a lot of them are predominantly male so yeah because right because when i first started learning about albolario mm-hmm. albolario is kind of like a witch doctor like a local yeah healer natural healer in my mind the image is always this old guy because the old guy with like the only been old guys hair. yeah yeah it's always been old guys i've i've met several and it's always been men and if it's a the woman Amadario. yeah and or and mambabarang and if the faith healer but if it's a but if it's a woman who does magic she's a witch she's a bruja yeah which is yeah. the spanish word but, for witch but you know so there are two things i wanted to kind of interject based on what i read the first is that the Babaylans did not give up easily. No. So they tried to kind of still maintain because they were still influential, right? You can't completely erase influence. Mm-hmm. And that's why what the Spanish did was like 
you know, they very fought, aggressive, they but led, long-term propaganda. Yeah, a lot of them became revolutionary leaders. Revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them did, male and female. And a lot of them sort of, um, do you remember when we were talking about Anitos and they have these cults, these cults and sect, sects, a lot of them converted into that. And would use similar things of like imbuing power. Remember the Gumbursa, the, the amulet, which is supposed to be the robes of Gumbursa. This is much, much later on. But a lot of things, they they took, they, I wouldn't say take back, but they ap- appropriated Catholic objects. That's what I was going to say. So the yeah. multiple different Santo Ninos are yes. actually... They took Anitos. this idea of the Santo Nino and then they yeah. made it like serve the function of what the Anito was, yeah. Yeah. right? To the exactly. local community. So yeah. I think they tried their best to kind of maintain like the old faith, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it, right? It's not, right now you think about these as like scary, dangerous, culty kind of beliefs, mm-hmm. but these were like the original beliefs that they were yes. forced to kind of hide and yeah. kind of change Shamed. and evolve throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were told that it was backward. Yeah. yeah. And then the second thing that, that it reminded me of, I'm sure you're going to get to this eventually, but because of this very like decades-long propaganda, like anytime a powerful woman religious leader would emerge or anytime, probably in the first couple of years when they were attacking these women, I mean, guys, this is the origin of the aswang. Yes. Uh, yes. As we know it today. Yes. Right? Obviously, yes. there were aswang in the past, but whenever you think about that weird lady who lives in the edge of the forest or who lives far from the village. Has a lot Why of weird herbs. Why should we herbs. fear her? Yeah. She is dangerous. She has mad black magic, etc. This is part of the narrative that they yep. used, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. a lot of what we, stories we hear of Aswang today were part partly propaganda, yes. right? To, to discredit some of the most powerful yes. people in society at the time. Yeah, who could it's, probably tell you a thing of Jesus, two, a thing of or two about nature, about battle, about strategy, because she had the knowledge and the Spanish in the past, in the yeah. past, but the Spanish didn't want that credibility to be decentralized from the priests and then and the the Catholics, you know. So as 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 conversion happened and as you know the influence of the Catholic Christianity happened that's exactly what you said that they said they said you should believe christianity because he's just another anito this is our anito so it's the same thing it's the same thing you're believing in and then they sort of slowly phased out all the other anitos and say this is the uh, the new anitos now these santo ninos you know these saints you know if 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 you are lost you pray to this saint instead of the anito of your ancestors and since they had burned so much writings and and prosecuted babaylans who would pass on the oral tradition. It just takes a generation to wipe it out, you know? Yeah. And gosh, can you imagine the people who held on to this knowledge and just passed it on like in secret? You know? Yeah. And and then just like, I, I'm gonna tell you these stories, blah blah blah. And you think it's just gonna be like a story, but really this is our roots. Can you but the problem? Yeah, and I think, but I think the problem is like, even no matter how faithfully you pass it on, mm-hmm. they're they're not gonna fully understand the context, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Of why these things are important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about how 
it takes years and years of study to become a babaylan. Yes. Right? If you don't have that support system anymore, you're not going to be able to pass down everything as well, exactly. right? So yeah, yeah. that's why the the remains of what we have today are things that are still practical for the local communities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the local healing, the herb lore, the and weather. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you don't have the other stuff, which is nope. like, you know, your function during war, how do you yeah. protect your community and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're saying all of this is all pure conjecture. We yeah. haven't talked about violence. Hey, I, I would love to know, I, and I hope it's some in there somewhere, but I hadn't seen it yet in my research, is are they judges? Like, what if there's issues... You know, what if there are conflicts within the community of like, he's sleeping with my wife and blah, 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 blah. Or like, he stole my goat. No, I didn't. The goat wandered into my backyard, blah, blah, blah. How do they resolve things like that? What were the principles behind it? Didn't you say say that they had those types of things? They had that function, but like, what, how? How did they decide it? You know, were there laws? Did they write laws? the you know who was who, what was the ruling principle is it just what they felt like you know so i'm just I'm, I'm i wonder like did they were they legislative did they have legislative functions like starting today you can only have this and this and that and that and you you know you can lend your wife to this guy for one week and the you know if you ate in i don't know i'm just making i'm mixing up my greek myths but but you know what what were those principles too because because the Spanish, I'm segueing back, the Spanish leveraged the frameworks of the of the society to insert their own things. So for example, how yeah. did they get how did they get pre-colonial Filipinos to accept the friars, for example? They said, you know how shamans, there's like a more powerful shaman and a less powerful shaman, and they're defending their different towns. This is now a more powerful shaman, and you have to accept them because. My abbeys, my I'm a Spanish friar. My abbeys, my spirit guides were more powerful than this spirit guide, so I'm the new one. And 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 it goes back to how they demoted a lot of the powerful gods, exactly, right? So exactly, Makile, yes, got demoted from yes. a goddess allegedly to to like a, a a diwata mountain nymph. Yeah, and they would desecrate religious objects. They would desecrate sacred trees and sacred areas with impunity but like with no repercussions so if you think about it like you don't 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 point at that tree because the 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 and um, if nothing happened from, to the spanish people are like oh maybe oh they're right maybe it wasn't that they did defeat the anyway. yeah yeah so you know i mean catholics are especially are, are another special kind of superstitious but they they demonstrated and if there was a risk they probably said like we can accept this risk so they demonstrated that there were no repercussions and the natives were like oh they're probably true they're probably right point anima i think i think we need to do like an omnibus of what are all of the what are all of the repercussions and consequences of christianity there's, and so, much. <laughs> there's so much on on pre-colonial religion and mm-hmm. and beliefs, right? Because yeah. I think we talk about it a lot. I mean, look, it's so pervasive that I mean, almost every episode actually we we mention yeah. it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of sad. Point, it's sad. It's sad. I mean, but but that now it takes us to it takes us to how the the then how they adapt, evolve, and overcome 
they started using the rosaries, crucifixes, holy water. They used them as anting-anting or fetish objects. And they used Latin prayers and verses. And they became part of their repertoire. Wait, who, who calls anting-anting fetish objects? In, in, it's, it's fairly common, no? Anting-anting fetish in, objects? Yeah, talismans are fetishes. Fetish objects. The the word fetish in a sexual context is a new a new association of the word fetish. Like things like relicarios, you know, like when they see when they preserve like the finger of a saint. So what's the actual definition fetish. of fetish? A fetish, let's see. Fetish. Fetish is an inanimate object worshipped for a social oh yes, magic powers, yes. And then later on, it became it became a sexual thing. So it's an, an as fetish is an inanimate object worshipped in its supposed magic powers because it is considered to be inhabited by a spirit. So things like relicarios, you know, when they have like the teeth of saints or like you the learn hair something of new every day. Yes, yes, I learned it. Learn I think from Constantine. I think is what I learned it from the usage of fetish in a non-sexual way. So continuing on, you me- we mentioned earlier, right, that the all of a sudden the anitos the on the on the dambanas were replaced now by by the saints by other I- idols, and then they the Spanish attributed anito-like powers to like the Santo Ninos and the Anitos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they said this was white magic. So, you know, they also said that, and then this also became, you know, the, the, the I, I'm hypothesizing that the belief of the Watas and spirits wouldn't go away. So what they did was they attributed European features to the Diwatas and the Encantos so that they would be associated with with the Spanish, but also that from a power standpoint. But at the same time, don't trust them because they will steal you away. They will deceive you. They will seduce you. They will play tricks on you. So I find that to be like probably a double-edged sword, right? So if you're like thinking, don't trust but, like white people. <laughs> no, but I think I think that it's a counter. It's counter propaganda. Ah. So if you remember all of these stories about the Encanto, don't follow them, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they came from the local community. It's not like it were stories like yeah. spread by the authorities, yeah. right? So, so, so you're thinking. We that remember it could we hypothesized. Yeah. So you're thinking the process in, was, I know, the process was like Spanish came, Filipinos won't stop believing in Encantos. Oh, the Encantos look like us. And then the local Filipinos said like, yeah, don't trust them. Because remember, in our episode, stop right now, thank you very much, the Encanto mm-hmm. episode, we hypothesized that probably there were a lot of, I don't know, local, like the beautiful local women were ge- yeah. being swept away yeah. by these mestizos, right? Or mm-hmm. by the Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so the local people were, you know, kind of doing counter-propaganda to say, no, he's he's not like a human being. He's yes. actually an encanto. Don't follow him. Yes, so yes, yes. I would like to believe that that's what happened because it's yeah. not like, it's not like Filipinos just bowed down and went quietly and believed every single thing that was, you know, Mm-hmm. Force down their throats, right? So I believe mm-hmm. I want to believe this is kind of like a counter yeah. propaganda yeah. that helped kind of evolve the the belief. 
Yeah, yeah. There's this there's this account of like one of the ways that they tried to appropriate the power of a babaylan. There was once a babaylan, a Catalona named Diego Magsanga. And this is an account by a Spanish priest, Pe- Pe- Pedro Chirino. This is like 1604. So it would be like a good... 80 years after the Spanish first came to the Philippines. So the, there was a Catalona, he was blind and he became, he was baptized and he became sort of like a friar's assistant in Silang Cavite. And he would teach children and adults catechism. And many people still followed him even and, and, and believed him and his faith even surpassed that of like the Jesuits priests that that baptized him. And I was like, no, they destroyed his spirit. And then he was, he himself was not a priest, but he was like a hermano, you know, like a, a like a vicar or a deacon in the church. And and with the group of peers that they were leading, there was another male Catalona who together with, a, this is a different guy now, who was with a group of peers that he was leading, was convinced by a Jesuit priest, Francisco Almerique, to convert to Christianity. And this other Catalona wore his hair long and braided it to signify his status as a shaman. So before he was baptized in front of the audi- an audience, he cut off his hair. They cut off his hair as the sign that the power of the Anito has been broken. Did he baptize? Did he get baptized willingly? Yes, but that's to show that was like his connection to the Anitos. That was his. It's it's very Avatar. That was like his USB port to the the Nether Worlds. So that's like man, they made they made kids poop on Anitos. They cut off people's hair. That was just like so horrible. Anyways, so. In the depictions of Babaylans, they are they were depicted differently and relegated to the mysticism, like the weird, the weird part of Christianity, like the, the, the culty part of Christianity. Maybe for you know exactly for the reasons of of minimizing their importance or influence. But in the 17th and 16th century, that as I mentioned, they became they became like mini cult leaders called Dios Dios. Or pretend, pretend, just sidebar, <laughs> sidebar. Sorry, did I tell you before that my dad hypothesized that kare kare is called kare kare because it's kind of like curry but not really, you know. And when you repeat, it's like endearment but also ah! like pretend kunware ganon. So kare kare. So and it really was. So the people who created the family that created kare kare called it curry because it was like curry, and then it was. Kind of like curry, but not quite. Yeah, it's called kare kare. Anyways. Ah, uh, yeah, it is true. I right? just it up. Kari kari, mm, right? Interesting. I know. So they were Dios Dios. So they were like pretend gods. And they were also, up to the late 19th century, there were spiritistas or like spirit. I don't know what's the translation for spiritista. It's anyways, spiritist. Spiritist. <laughs> spiritist. A spiritist. And there was a movement. A spirit- like a spiritual. Like a spirit warrior. Like. <laughs> Not a prayer Aren't spiritistas spirit- like mediums? They're like mediums, but they're also like 
psychics, psychics and mediums, I guess, would be the 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 best thing. So the methods of worship were still basically the same. Faith healers, which I mentioned in passing uh, during our anting anting episodes, also were also like mediums, but instead of channeling anito, they instead claimed to channel saints, angels, Holy Spirit, and they also frequently use Western now esoteric and pseudoscientific terminologies like psychic energy with little connection to the traditional shamanistic shamanistic behaviors. I remember this whole thing of like, there, there's this kid who would, no, no, this is fairly recent. Pala, pala. There's this woman, I saw it on TikTok, who claims that she was being possessed by like Santo Nino or a saint. And then she would just like change her voice and she would look like she would be going into a fit. Like her eyes would roll on the top of her head and then all of a sudden she had a different voice. I don't know if she's faking it or maybe mm. she just has disassociative disorder. I don't know, but it's still alive. I, I think it's safe to say it's alive and kicking up to today. So today, in in yeah. this day, there are still healers. There are still mambarangs, but not babaylans as such. They just have they just have the the function of the babaylan, but not necessarily the status of the babaylan. And some will still mm. have the idea of the spiritual disease versus the natural disease. And for people who believe in a natural disease, that it is a natural disease, they'll just go to a doctor. Healer will refer them to a, a doctor. Like, oh, you need an antibiotic. If it wasn't like a spiritual <laughs> disease to begin with. Which I kind of appreciate. I mean, you know, medicine. Yeah, still. that's cute. Right? So there are still in Muslim Filipinos. So so we talked about the Catholic influence, right? How it was eliminated. The conversion to Islam also affected it as well in terms of their status of importance. Because, of course, in Islam, you know, there's still there's a monotheistic approach. Paren, and there are still hierarchies within them. I don't think they were as horrible as the Christians were, the Catholics were, but they did relegate the the function of folk healing to in dealing with indigenous spirits. So it's like, this is the corporate structure. That's the local org versus the regional and the global org. And the other aspects eventually were taken over by the religious leaders. So there, there is a direct equivalent of a Christian Filipino faith healer and arbolario. They're called Islamized shamans known as pandita or gurus. So they're Islam, but they do the same function. And they follow Islam to provide traditional healing practices and cultural rituals retained from Islamic shamanistic past. So they actually retain some of their shamanistic beliefs from all of the Islamic nations that have traveled, eventually traveled. They also do rites, like minor rites, like akika, which is cutting the hair of the firstborn as a, as a coming of age ceremony. The rukia, which is an exorcism, which unfortunately they do for homosexuals also. And there is a traditional massage therapy, massage, that is conducted. It is called agud or agud, and it's done by the Maranao and Mindanao people for healing. You know, you know the ritualistic haircut? Reminds me of like my cousin. Mm-hmm. He and I don't remember because I think we only did it with him. So I was kind of shocked that it was a thing. Yeah. And maybe it was because I don't know. In Pampanga, we didn't do it. Maybe it was a belief of his dad in Bulacan. So, uh, so this guy, he was like our third, he was like 
So I'm the eldest cousin. He's like the third one. Mm-hmm. And when he was younger, the there's some buntot. Like yeah. you know, in the hair, there's like yes. something. There's like one little long yeah. clump or yeah. lock at the yeah. end. Yep. And they let him grow it till he was like three years old. So he mm-hmm. he looked like an anime character. Yes. He had like short hair here. Yeah. And he had like a buntot, like a tail. That's a Tagalog thing. Here. Yeah. Yeah, and then they they eventually like when he was three or some I don't know three or four or something. Then they eventually cut it, but I forgot what was the context of when they cut it. But it had yeah. to do with superstition, eh? Yes, like so you for... shouldn't cut it until a certain age. Yes, so, so I'm f- guessing it. It's it's stemming from these like coming of age type of things, yes, right? Yes, for us in in Batangas, the tradition you grow the hair all the way to the first birthday, which is so, which is why it's so horrible for me when you think of like. Some babies get get their heads shaved, like which is the Chinese tradition. You shave your head so that you get thicker hair, which is not true. So for us in Tagalog, on the first birthday, there's so many traditions. Actually, we should have an entire different episode for baby traditions. But for, until the first birthday, the, the you don't cut the hair. And the first person to cut the baby's hair is actually the adult whom which you want the baby to get traits from. So me and my brother have actually cut a lot of our cousins' hair because they wanted the kids to be like smart like us and outspoken like us. And then they you, you're the one who do, does the first snip. And then our older, our, our younger cousins who went to America, they were like, oh no, the barber cut my kids' hair. So then they'll they'll have the traits of the barber. I said, I don't know, because all the kids whose hair I cut, I don't know if they ended up like me at in any way, shape, or form. But there's a ton of, of coming of age ceremonies like in Batangas also. They don't let the kids wear color until their first birthday so that the encanto doesn't get them, so that they're not appealing. Well, in in Bali, they they believe that. A baby, like a the youngest in the community and the oldest in community, are the closest to like the gods or something. Yeah, I so believe they're treated it. very holy. Mm-hmm. So a baby is not allowed to step foot on the earth for the first whole year of its life. Really? Yeah. So, buhat, and so buhat there's this whole. Yeah, so there's this whole ceremony. Eventually, when the kid turns one, they bring them. To like the I guess the Balian or like mm. the the local like healers or doctors yeah, yeah the the Babaylan equivalent they call it Balian here mm-hmm. and there's this whole like I don't know half a day long ceremony or a few hours ceremony they offer like a bunch of other stuff and then finally the baby mm-hmm. foot the baby's foot literally like steps oh. on the floor it's this whole like special thing because now I guess you're letting go of your holiness and purity and you're becoming like a Human a human. Oh, yeah, that's, like so that. oh yeah. that's so cute. Oh, that's so cute. Oh. Well, anyways, going back to the dark, dark history of the Babay of the Babaylan. <laughs> no, it's it's so you remember a lot of the males who became Babaylan, they lived as females. They weren't just effeminate or anything. They lived as females. They would have they would have cis male husbands, they would have children. I don't know how. And they would dress as women. Maybe they and, adopted. Oh, that would be fantastic. Adopt, don't shop for children. <laughs> and so these feminized, feminized men in, in Islam converted groups, they were prosecuted because they have a, an, a nat, it was an unnatural crime. They were punished 
by the Muslim peoples in Mindanao by death, by burning, drowning, and their houses and properties were also burned because, like a germ, they thought it was contagious. That's freaking horrible. It is. And they still do rukiyas in Indonesia, in Jakarta today. So it's kind of a lot of these. What are they so scared of? What are they so scared of? That they think they should kill these people. Ah, my gosh. Anyway, so resistance to foreign rule. As I said, the shamans became, used their power and influence to, to revolt against the Spanish in areas like highlands of Cebu and in the interiors of Mindanao. In Spanish-controlled areas like Visayas, entire villages would defy the policies of this of resettlement. They want to move them to the cities because, of course, maybe the Spanish would like to farm on that land. So they would resist and they would move further inland, move, move further away from highlands. the highlands, yes, or the interiors at the instigation of the Babaylan. And they say, we're going to move together. We're going to migrate together. And then the rituals were performed secretly in some areas. And, and, and they, would, they would say like, oh, this will make our way safe. And this will pr- protect our new community. But then when they were caught, they were, they were still prosecuted and, and killed. Which, which brings us back to the Moses analogy. Mm-hmm. And how Moses might have been that equivalent. <laughs> he was. He really was. He was. Because Aaron was because like imagine, the political leader. He was the imagine sp- they were traveling around for 40 years. My yeah. God. You're going to yeah. be... Was it 40 years? Forty years. Be like yeah. so sick and tired. Like, oh my god, when are we finally gonna settle? Like, yeah, <laughs> where are you taking us? Dude, ako nga, when I moved to Singapore and I didn't have a house for like two months, I was like, oh, this sucks. I have to live in a hotel for two months. And Moses try, had to travel. Try forty, 40 years. years. <laughs> yeah, in the desert. Jesus, no sunscreen. Anyway, so so as I mentioned, there's so many, but over the 16th to 17th century, open revolts were led by shamans. And aside from the early revolts, they were all led by religious leaders who were either shaman and then later on, folk Catholicism rather than true shamanism. But it was like the same kind of people who would lead it. I think that's pretty great. They just used a different costume. But it was the same, it was the same type of person. And I like to think, I like to believe, like reading this, I like to believe that there really is a certain person. There really is a certain person in every group who would have that potential to be both a spiritual and like a social leader. Maybe they're cult leaders now. I don't know. But like I'm I I like to believe that there is always a someone who will take up the mantle of leadership as needed. And and these are just forms by which they choose. I'm really into comic a, books right now. <laughs> I, have, I have a question. Go. Do you believe that one person should have both powers or should it be split? Because I just find it dangerous if it's just one person holding that power. It's dangerous for sure. It's kind of like governments. It's right? like checks and balances, right? Separation um, of church and state, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it is dangerous. I think in a large scale, in a large scale, definitely not. And in, in, in a small scale, 
that's what a cult is, right? <laughs> it's the same. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's a cult, right? So I think overall, yes, it's dangerous, but I do think they are intrinsically linked. There's the there's that how it is and there is the how it should be. How it should be should definitely be separate. There should be checks and balances, right? And and but at the same time, a structure that inhibit that that that, that enables checks and balance can be like overly bureaucratic and and you know, in a revolt situation, baka you just need one person. You need one person who has both the hearts and the minds of the followers to revolt and fight. The thing is, it looks like they approached in a very individualistic way, like like tribal Philippines. And we used to, the tribes used to fight each other. And they were, it seems like, except for a couple of tribes who banded together in common areas, that there was not as, you know, there's the Katipunan, which is like a uh, united front. But they weren't, they were other factions that they were fighting against even within themselves. So there is something to be said about a structure as well. But to the question of should, no, (laughs) it shouldn't be just one person. That is dangerous. The last significant Dios Dios Rebellion was in the 19th century led by Dionisio Magbuelas, better known as Papa Isio or Pope Isio. And he was a member of the Dios Buhawi group. He was he organized his own Babaylanes group. So he gathered people of the remainders of certain of another previous Babaylan in Negros against the Spanish rule in 1896. 1896, mm-hmm. right before we were sold off to America. And then, the, <laughs> you know, after the Philippines was ceded to the Americans, he, he was made a military chief, chief of Negros Occidental under the American government. So when the Americans came, he still was given authority. But he rebelled against the, Philippine, the, the Americans in 1899 in the Philippine-American War. He surrendered in 1907 to American authorities that sentenced him to death. And he lived in, he was imprisoned in Manila, Belibid Prison, and died in 11. So he was the last big Babaylanis people. And then there's also a a couple of people that I mentioned in the, the, the Puhanis, the, the people who were red, the, who use anting-anting. There is still a group in Leyte. There's still a group in Samar. And they still use supernatural powers, but they're all men. And they use fetishistic amulets, holy oils, magic spells, and battle. So You know, it reminds me, your story of, what is the name of the guy who got in person in Belibid? Dionisio Magbuelas. He reminds me of, I read this book. I don't know if you read it. It's called Zealot mm-hmm. by Reza Aslan. Oh, yeah, I read that one. He's, the, he's the Bible scholar. Yeah, he's, it's, yeah, a, it's Jesus. an amazing book. Yeah, I love it. It's an it. amazing book. And it's basically, so the premise of the book is, how would Jesus's life have played out mm-hmm. in actual history? So yeah. using actual historical records, yeah. Yeah. historical context at the time. And the main premise that he makes is, Jesus is probably a zealot. And the zealot yeah. was basically, you know, most most of the time a revolutionary leader mm-hmm. someone who was you know sentenced to death because of you know rebellion he mm-hmm. was a rebel yeah so he was a rebel leader basically mm-hmm. part of part of the kind of what he puts together is all of these different versions of the gospels eventually that came yeah. out 
it was like the vestiges of the kind of what remained of the group or how the different groups yeah. evolved over time. And yeah. obviously, you have like very different se- the sex, the different sex that we see today. Mm-hmm. But I think what 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 I found very interesting is if you take away first of if you take away the spiritual part of it completely first, right? Like they were people who were trying to fight against oppressive Roman the rule. Rome. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so they wanted to kind of figure out a different set of values or set of morals to bring people together. Mm-hmm. He was very charismatic. He brought mm-hmm. people together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It's this it's this it's this quality of people the shiny, sparkly veneer of a psychopath. That has I, a- I guess the point that I'm trying to make is if you are in a situation where you're suffering yeah. and you you can't find any logical way to get out of yes. your situation, yeah. if someone comes with such a compelling kind of message and mm-hmm. mission mm-hmm. and says, I can help you. Like yeah. if we get together, yes. you know, we can find a way to to rebel and yeah. like, get rid of these people who are repressing yeah. us. That's because be I'm so the son of God. Team, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. No, I mean, again, it's it's with this whole this whole thing of cults and cultish leaders, right? My thing with the Babailan is that it was an established social function. You know, they could have been, they could have like taken over the village. They could have, they, they have such power because they held the metaphysical and the physical in their hands every day. It's like, it's not just like your ancestors, your beliefs, your spirituality, but also like, yeah, maybe it won't rain anymore and you'll have nothing to eat and I'll just go off to the next village. They had so much power. It didn't seem, I didn't see stories of abuse of power. Like there weren't any mass suicides or anything in it. But in that's it. because the Datu made sure that they had a specific role. So that's that the check and balance. That was the check and balance. And that's why it's important that it's separate. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. We answered our own question. So that was I the check it. and balance. <laughs> the you know, Socratic method. The, I'm just the, kidding. The, the, the resolution, the Socratic method. Thank you, Socrates. So that's what I had, you know. And then in modern day, I think we I, I already preempted myself because I talked about this, this order of the inner inner ear that is that is a genetic condition that maybe it was it's yeah. called the superior canal dishisense syndrome, which you hear yourself in your head, how you sound simultaneously hearing your external voice, which is weird and it's genetic and, but it makes you sensitive to the weather. It makes you sensitive to any kind of pressure changes, altitude changes. And so that might have been one of the things that enabled the Babaylands to function today. But it's, I think it's interesting. I think, but it also could have been, it could have been any number of mental disorders, but it could have been just like a genuine, a genuine, Mental disorders are neurodivergence. Neurodivergence, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could it could just be a whole number of things, but this a person who becomes a babaylan is has a natural instinct or is trained and identified to leverage these differences to to their benefit, to the benefit of the community. She is watching me like I'm weird. What? Oh. What? 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 Just kidding. So okay, that was our very long and very loaded three-part 
episode on Babaylands. I loved reading about it and learning about it, but I was all, it made me really sad too. Uh, so, so I I I want to talk someday to a Babaylan that can like a, be a follow on episode for us, and yeah. we can interview like what like if there are still Babaylans today, and and there are, how did they learn about it? How did they? What are what are are there records? Are there are there and what's their what's their take on the history? Right, mm-hmm. like how much of it does get passed on? Yeah. Like are they still kind of? I mean. Obviously, in the past, they were like revolutionary leaders. Do they still kind of have the same perspectives on like the vestiges of colonialism that yeah. we're seeing today, or or have they moved on? Yeah, are right? they creating? Are they catering to the new community of today? Right. With, with I mean, the they have to by necessity. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But like, is it part of their function now to sort of figure out? where do we came from to like is there a reclamation happening of of our history of trying to find find out yeah i mean i wonder the the reality is obviously we can't go back to the way things actually were right because yeah. a lot of us really are catholic now yeah so yeah. you don't it's not like we're gonna go back to animism yeah just like that right yeah and i think the question to your point is so these babaylans who do exist right do they have the same type of influence in their community do they have the same type of roles in their community mm-hmm. or has the you know has succeeded ba- is there a babaylan barangay captain <laughs> right the is- first babaylan congressperson <laughs> is there a babaylan or like is there a babaylan who's also a teacher you know still a babaylan who's also the community healthcare worker so you know i mean it was very this is a very involved and very long series of episodes i hope you guys learned something if you guys have any experiences with babaylands or or healers that you'd like to share please do let us know if we got anything wrong again please let us know we'd love to hear about it i genuinely wish that these types of these parts of our history and our culture do get taught mm-hmm. more broadly. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. because we've learned about this from very, uh, very actively seeking this information, yeah. right? Yeah. You hear it once or twice from somewhere, but mm-hmm. it's not something that is readily available to you, but it's such a rich and important part of your history. Yeah, right? it is. It is. It's a big, we, I, I wonder, I wonder if, and and this is one of my hypotheses that you always hear me saying. I wonder if the reason why Filipino women are a lot more visible in leadership positions because of this inherent respect for the feminine in communities and societies, which is again still two-sided. There's still the binukot, binukot practice that still exists, but also this authority that babaylands get is something I think that is rare in, in, in many other communities. That's why, you know, we have, we had female presidents. So I wonder if there is some part of that that had trickled down in terms of the regard for the capabilities of a female, not necessarily the status of a female, but like the capabilities of a female that we are not just. For sure. Right. So. I mean, the fact that we have, we have accounts of female rulers, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. The queen of Tundo. 
yes. for example. Yes. Right? Or yes. Duha if she actually Duha, existed. Yes. Yes. The fact that having female warriors were, you know, quite common mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in pre-colonial society really yes. speaks about at least some level of we don't know right we because yeah. we we're not there, but at least some level of equality that that yeah. we did not see in the colonial systems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because there are also kind of counters to that. So obviously there was a push and pull later yeah. on throughout the years because I remember one of the first things we talked about in the Mananangal episode when we talked about wedding superstitions. There's a yeah. superstition that the wife can't step on the foot of the husband yeah. because otherwise she would be too domineering in the relationship. So yeah. that superstition would have existed for a reason. Yes. Right? Yes. So and also that in Batangas, if the it, when the woman is brought over to the husband's home, she has to eat something sweet. So she has only sweet words to say to her husband. Yeah. So yeah, I, if you if you if you haven't listened to that episode yet, that was our first ever episode um on the Mananangal. Yes. So that's super fun. Yes. No, but this is this is amazing. This is like as a Filipino woman today, it makes me proud that there was this such there's this richness in our history yeah. on the power of women mm-hmm. and what women could do yes. if you actually empowered them, gave them the opportunity, yeah. gave them the education, yeah. and gave them the authority yeah. to, to, to be themselves, to, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I, it, gives I me, really... it gives me hope that we are okay. still empowered today after, even after 300 years of Spanish oppression that yeah. it's still it survived it survived somehow okay well I hope that you guys enjoyed that I heard I hope you guys learned a lot I definitely did I I did I've done some readings here and there on the Babaylan but there's just so much that you're able to unpack and uncover if you guys have any other interesting bits of trivia or things you know at the Babaylan do let us know if you know of any related topics that you feel we should cover as kind of a springboard from these I think we would love to to know what you think also let us know what you think of these like long like two three parters I know that usually we kind of do like one-off episodes on like different creatures but sometimes we do this kind of intense deep dives let us know what you think about them and as always where can they find us animal well they can find us on (laughs) they can find us on the gods must be crazy that pod on instagram and on facebook and on spotify Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you podcast, anchor.fm. If you find us, when you find us, please do download, rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You know, I yeah. never, you know, and much as you forward memes and such, why not forward yeah. a podcast? It's great. If you, if you find this on YouTube, hello, is there a few kind of, um, video podcast we hope you're enjoying it and please subscribe for for more videos on instagram where there are a lot that's where we talk to most of our listeners so it would be great to have conversations over there we love getting messages from people we also love reading your reviews uh, of the pod so that would be cool but most importantly i think the best way to support us is to share this podcast with people who you feel would be interested in the topics we talk about 
Purportedly, we are a mythology and folklore podcast, but we do end up talking a lot about pre-colonial history and society and stuff like that. Because I think, you know, it, 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 sorry, there was a fly. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of mythology and folklore teaches about ourselves, our history, and our identity through the years. And I think that's really what motivates our passion to keep learning about these different things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So as always, See you guys till the next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.